the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hey everybody, Ron Guy with End Time Insights. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We appreciate you listening. We love doing this and it's such an exciting time to be a Christian in America. On the flip side of that coin, it is a terrible time if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, which is why one of the reasons we do this show is that you can listen to this and maybe pique your interest and uh, seek out the Lord while he may be found. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. In our Bible study and in our recent radio shows, we've just been trying to encourage you guys to walk in the Spirit, to to get to live your Christian life in the Spirit. You know, you are a spirit being, first and foremost. You, you have an earth suit, which we call our bodies. It houses the Spirit. And your Spirit is eternal, but your earth suit, that's going to pass pretty soon, which is why you need to make sure that your Spirit is in right relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we want to talk about wickedness, warfare, and warriors. This is actually part three in our Bible session, in our our home Bible study. All these lessons are interchangeable because we're always talking around the same thing. The church in America, the Christian in America, Jesus Christ in the body of Christ affecting who we are as we impact our nation for God. But before I do that, I'm recording this on Thursday morning and there's uh, more news about Israel. And this is so important because as Christian lawyers are battling in courts, getting ready to go to Supreme Court tomorrow, I think, uh, concerning the illegalities in the election and the fraud perpetrated by those who are anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Trump, anti-Christian, anti-law and order, I could go on. But as we battle against that, there's something that's so important. I remember about two years ago, we were teaching, it was called a Patriots for Christ class in our church. And I remember we were showing a video by Michelle Bachman and Jan Merkel, female prophetess, a Bible teacher. And they had both made this statement that Trump was a shoe-in for re-election. And I agree with that 100%. As long as he didn't screw up concerning Israel. And let me tell you, in the news today, there was the fact that the Congress, the Senate actually, the, the Senate part of the Congress... The Congress has two houses. It's got the um, House of Representatives and it's also got the Senate. They're both housed in what we call the Congress. And so the Senate had narrowly passed an approval for the sale of these super jets to the enemies of Israel who are partners in this peace plan. And this peace plan, we've told you from the get-go, it's not from God. It is demonic and it has the potential to put Israel in great harm. 
And just to confirm that, this is the largest arms sale in the history of the world. And we are selling super jets to the enemies of Israel. We are selling them drones. And we are arming Israel's enemies. And as part of this Abrahamic Abraham uh, peace accord, Israel had to sign on to the sale of these. It was brokered by the United States. And they also had to go ahead and promise that they would not resettle in the West Bank in the next four years. It's a terrible deal for Israel. What they get out of it is they're allowed to fly over certain areas they were never allowed to fly over before. And basically, we will not attack you. I mean, this is the stupidest deal. And yet, the United States brokered it. And I say that because while we are trying and interceding and fighting for Trump, who actually won the election, to be acknowledged by the electors as the president of the United States, as we are fighting for that, here we are, this rises up again because this is the only thing that has the potential to keep Trump from being reelected. So now we're praying on two fronts. We're praying that God would go ahead and he would reveal the darkness. He would reveal the deception that has tried to steal this election from the American people. And we're also praying that God would send repentance, that Trump would change his mind. He must not go through with this deal. He must not go through with these arms sales. Netanyahu said that these arms sales have the potential to change the balance of power in the Middle East. Basically, that means Middle East is big man on campus. They're big dog right now on the porch. And yet, once we arm these nations who have been enemies of Israel for as long as we know, Arab nations, that power is shifted. And, you know, Satan is so tricky and we're so stupid. The whole idea, the United States comes out with a supersonic, unbelievable plane, weapon and everything, stealth technology. And Satan says, okay, how can I get this out of the hands of the United States and into the hands of my enemy? So here we are. We've got this stupid Abram Accord, and now we're selling those planes to second-rate powers like Bahrain, and I forget the names of the other nations, but they're all, they're not the big players. They're not Syria. They're not Iran. They're not Iraq. And you just know that at some point, these weapons are going to be in the hands of those who hate Israel. That's why this is such a dangerous deal. We cannot go through with it. It just narrowly passed in the Senate last night, and I pray that that gets overturned, that God somehow supernaturally stops this from going through. Anyway, that's my opinion on Israel. That's not the lesson. The lesson today is on wickedness, warfare, and warriors, and I just wanted to let you know, the past few weeks, the past couple of lessons we've been doing, we've discussed several different aspects of our spiritual battles. We've addressed fighting in the spirit against in the spirit, spirit to spirit warfare, when confronting uh, principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of darkness. We spoke about our spiritual battle against the lusts of the flesh, which war against our souls. And you know, we may think that this is the only aspect of our spiritual fight, and yet that's not even a small iota of the spiritual warfare that we need to do. Truth is, we engage in spiritual warfare. No, I take that back. Truth is, we are attacked in the realm of the spirit every day, every hour of every day. We don't even know it. And the fact that we don't know it and the enemy is assaulting us means we're losing those battles. There's still so much more to cover, stuff most of us aren't even aware of that falls into the category of spiritual warfare. There's prayer, and there's the role that prayer plays in fighting off these spiritual attacks. There's the weaponry, such as the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of God. 
our faith. And then today's area of discussion is going to include insights on the mind of Christ. Such an awesome weapon. It's the weapon that you need on a daily basis. It's the weapon that comes into play most often in the Christian's defense against fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. In defense of the satanic onslaught through the media and in your daily living in our schools and our workplaces. So important that you get your mind renewed by the Word of God to the Word of God. So let's begin by addressing this minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day spiritual conflict, whereby we defend ourselves against Satan by using one of your strongest weapons, the mind of Christ. Most states don't realize that we are engaged in spiritual warfare on a level like this daily, and it goes on all the time. And because we don't know that, we are losing these battles. If you are not aware that you're engaging in spiritual warfare every day, then you are probably being defeated. And it's so important that we get this information into us, that we learn to live by it, that we learn how to use it correctly. Most often we lose these battles simply by not showing up. Satan wins by default. That's got to stop. Let me give you a couple of general truths that we must know so that we can quit suffering defeats by not showing up. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the beginning principle. God is a spirit. God is a spirit, and we must worship him. We must come to him. We must relate to him spirit to spirit. So many of us carnal Christians, so many of us ignorant Christians, we're not being trained in church, that we need to develop our spirit so that we can have a relationship with God. We've been born again in our spirits. We literally have born again spirits. Jesus said, you must be born again. Before our transformation, our spirits were dead unto the things of God. But since the infusion of his Holy Spirit, his presence indwelling our lives, we now are alive unto the things of God. Yes, we have these earth suits to house the spirit, but they are only temporary. They will soon pass away, but our spirits are eternal. Ezekiel thirty six thirty seven. I want to show you that you are a spirit being, and I will put my spirit within you, saith the Lord, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and you shall do them. So important, since Satan and demon forces are spirits also, spirits who will never die, we must engage him in the realm of the spirit. And God just promised in Ezekiel that he was going to put his spirit within you. So you are equipped to do warfare in the realm of the spirit. Too long we've tried to fight Satan, we've tried to fight the flesh, we've tried to fight the demons with our earth suits in the flesh. You don't wage war in the flesh, but in the spirit. You don't fix spiritual problems with carnal solutions, and you don't walk in the flesh and war in the spirit. You must walk in the spirit to successfully war in the spirit. Second Corinthians 10, 4, this great scripture. This scripture set me free from pornography. It got me delivered from sexual lust. Most powerful scripture for me in the Bible concerning deliverance. Second Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. I love that. To the pulling down of strongholds. Most of us, when we've encounter the enemy, we fight him in the flesh. We throw a couple of names. Ah, in the name of Jesus, Satan, go far from me. Let me tell you this. If you are not in love with the word of God, if you are not eating, drinking, breathing, and living the word of God, Jesus said, if you would live in me and let my word live in you, you'll ask what you will and I will do it. If we are not at that place in our lives, you're not going to have any respect for the name of Jesus Christ. You're not going to have any authority when you use that name. If you are living your life and you don't bow before the name of Jesus, not only as your Savior, but as your personal Lord, Satan's not going to bow when it comes down to him understanding what you're saying in the realm of the Spirit's him. Remember when Jesus was casting the devils out? Who was it? I forget who it was. Maybe it was the guy with the pigs. And the devil said, hey, 
We know who thou art, thou Holy One of God. They recognized Jesus. They didn't say you were the Messiah. They didn't say you're the Son of God. They recognized him because he was holy. His holiness identified him as belonging to God. And therefore, they had to bow. Our holiness needs to identify us as belonging to God, too. We can't live in the flesh and war in the spirit. Let's walk through the above scripture on 2 Corinthians 10. Let me flesh it out for you because Paul is really so good. He not only gives you the scripture, but Paul is identifying one of the most powerful spiritual weapons that we have. And he even goes into great detail to tell us how it works. In the context here in this scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, Paul is defending his own ministry against these attacks by the Corinthian Christians. They're challenging his authority, and so he's using the scripture here to identify his authority and what it means to have this authority in the spirit, because they were carnal. They looked at him maybe as a meek man, maybe as somebody that had trouble seeing or wasn't a good speaker, but Paul says, my authority is in the realm of the spirit, so let me go break this down, and I will explain to you how this scripture actually set me free from sin. For those we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, we got that, right? If we're living in this earth suit, we still have spiritual battles to fight, is what he's saying. For the weapons of our warfare against these demons, against these forces, they're not carnal, they're not in the flesh, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The extent of the weaponry that God is going to describe right now says it is so powerful, it can pull down demonic strongholds, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. What are they? Casting down imaginations and every high thing or thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing under captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Paul tells you how to use the mind of Christ right there. Number one, casting down imaginations or every thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. When you get a thought that comes in, uh, let's say it's, okay, let's say you're an alcoholic and you're going to go walk by a bar and immediately the temptation is there. You need to cast down that thought. And we too, okay, when we hear things that are false, when we hear things that go against the word of God, uh, let's say homosexuality, when we have people on the television promoting homosexuality to us, we know according to the Bible that's wrong. So when a Hallmark movie comes out and they start promoting a homosexual lifestyle, we know that's wrong. The Bible says, cast down that thought and bring it into captivity. And that's the process, that is the procedure by which the mind of Christ goes to bat for you. Joyce Meyer wrote a book, God Bless Joyce. We appreciate her ministry. We've drank deeply of her ministry in days gone by. And yet she wrote a book. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And it is so important that we understand what the the error in that title, in that book. It's not the battlefield of the mind because the book teaches that the battle is in your mind. And that's a shame when Paul is telling you that, no, 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 your mind is supposed to be a weapon in the battle. But if you've got famous teachers telling you that your mind is the battlefield, where does that leave you? Do I believe famous teachers or do I I believe Paul in the word of God? Well, Paul says that the the mind of Christ is a weapon in the war. And let me prove that because Peter actually confirms that also. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 7.25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So then with the mind I serve the law of God. Does that sound like a battlefield to you? Is Paul identifying to you a battlefield or a weapon? So then, with the mind, I serve the law of God. Paul is saying you get your mind renewed in the word of God and it becomes a weapon for you whereby you can serve the Lord. It's not a battlefield. It's not a battleground. 
Paul recognized that his flesh was in opposition to the spiritual warfare he must wage, that he needed the mind of Christ to serve God properly. Entertaining carnal thoughts when engaged in spiritual warfare is a quick, guaranteed way to lose the battle. Peter also acknowledged the mind as a valuable weapon in Christian warfare. Oh, one more scripture by Paul, Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Once again, an encouragement. There's a reward for walking in the spirit. You are a spirit being. You have the mind of Christ and you live in a body and it's the body that is warring against you. And it says if you let that body control you, eventually you will die because all bodies die. But if you walk in the spirit, the things that are seen are temporal, but the unseen thing, the things of God, your spirit, the word of God, faith, these things are are eternal. Peter writes this, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Peter says it right here, confirming what Paul says, that your mind is a weapon. Arm yourself with likewise with the same mind. That's words of battle. Arm yourself with the mind. The mind is a weapon. And notice here, though, uh, Peter refers to it as suffering. You know, we don't teach suffering because it gives us power in our in our lives to deal with the hard issues in the world. But Peter said, use that as a weapon. Arm yourself with that mind of suffering. That's why Jesus was able to look forward past the cross, you know, despising the shame of the cross. But his eyes were set on the joy that was before him. Amplified, I like this, First Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh and died for us, arm yourself like warriors with the same purpose, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with Christ, is done with intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world. I love that. He says, arm yourself like warriors. You have a warrior mentality. You know, people love David. Oh, David was great. David was a worshiper. He wrote the Psalms. David knew how to worship God. David was also a worshiper and a warrior. He knew how to fight. And I choose, when I'm reading about David, I love the warrior aspect of David. He was a king. He was a conquering king. Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousands. He not only was a worshiper, but he was a warrior who worshiped. We need to adopt that atmosphere because we are under assault from forces of Satan. He's the only one doing the fighting. Let me tell you this. When only when there's a war going on and only one side is doing the fighting, <laughs> that other side is going to take a beating. And we have. Look at America. There's the proof that the church hasn't been fighting back. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your flesh, this five-cent realm earth suit that we walk around in, it's opposed to the things of God. It is constantly pulling against your born-again spirit. It wants to sleep. It wants to eat. It wants to sin. It wants to watch. It wants to taste. It wants to feel. And whereas God says, no, 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 no. You are spirit-led. You are spirit-fed. You are spirit-bred. Walk in the spirit and you won't be so concerned about filling all these appetites of the flesh. You know, people are overweight because they can't control their carnal appetites. I mean, and that's something that you can see. But then there's the people that are overweight in their flesh concerning pornography or concerning lust or concerning greed or concerning power. You may not be able to see that manifest in the five sense realm, but it's just as deadly. And we need to fight against that. 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. There are so many aspects to spiritual warfare, so many opportunities we have to defend against Satan. 
against demons, even against our flesh, as Peter just wrote. We can't miss those opportunities because Satan doesn't let any of his opportunities go by. He jumps on everything. It's my opinion that the mind of Christ is the weapon that is most often needed in the life of the Christian. I say this because it's our carnal minds that are under assault every hour of every day. Let me put it like this concerning the book, uh, which Joyce was saying that uh, the battle, the battlefield of the mind, the battle is not in your mind. It's for your mind. That is a totally different dynamic. Okay. Let me give you an example. In uh, World War II, America was in a war, right? Obviously. But was the war in America? No, the war was not in America. In World War II, America was in a war, but the war was not in America. Well, I want to know, in your life, in the life of the Christian, your mind is in a battle, but the battle is not in your mind. Get that straight. If you'd walk around thinking there was a battle in your mind, you'd be like that cartoon with the devil on your left shoulder, the angel on your right shoulder. Who am I going to listen to? You'd be schizo, man. You'd be vacillating back and forth. And what did James, speaking for God, say about being double-minded? He that is double-minded, don't bother asking God for anything. You're not going to get nothing. I mean, does that sound like God created your mind to be a battlefield or a weapon? We need to get these scriptures right. We need to get them inside us, and we need to start incorporating them in our lifestyle. Going back to the process of how the mind of Christ works, let's say someone like me in the past who's dealing with pornography. Okay, let's say I'm watching TV innocently enough, and then this porn show comes on. Okay, immediately, step number one, I have to recognize that. Don't forget, I've got the mind of Christ now. I have my my mind renewed in the Word of God. I know the truth now. And so I see this pornography coming on television, and I... A, recognize. I recognize this is a thought that goes against the word of God, that violates the word of God, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I immediately recognize it. What do I do? Number two, I recognize and I rebuke. I command that thought to leave my mind in the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, if I need to repent, I repent. Number four, finally, most important aspect, I replace that thought about lusting after these women I'm watching with the word of God. You recognize the thought, you rebuke the thought, you repent, and you replace it. So important. If you don't know the Word of God, if you don't have the mind of Christ, you may recognize that thought. You may try to rebuke it, but you have no power. You won't repent because it's got you by the grip, and then you're not going to be able to replace it with the Word of God. So you recognize the Word of God. Father God, I see that show out there. Father God, I rebuke that thought, Father God. I thank you, Father God. I repent. I am free whom the Son is freed. is freed indeed. Lord God, I come against that thought. I come against these ladies. I pray for them in the name of Jesus, Father God. I thank you. I will set no wicked thing before my eye, Father God. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper, but I will condemn every tongue that would rise up against me in judgment, for this is my inheritance, saith the Lord. I condemn that tongue of pornography. I'll get it right. Hallelujah. I condemn that tongue. And in the name of Jesus, I pray for these ladies, these producers, Father God, that put this stuff out there. I pray that you would draw them into the kingdom by the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Send labors across their path, ministering the truth and love, Father God. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth, Father God. I apply the blood of Jesus over them. I curse this business out of its roots. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke Satan. You go far from their borders. In the name of Jesus, I claim them for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. That's how you do spiritual warfare with the mind of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying there. You take those thoughts captive, every thought captive, and then you have an ability to repent. For You're not getting it right the first time. That your obedience would have been counted as having been fulfilled. Hallelujah. So I love that scripture. That got me free in the name of Jesus. This is such an important scripture because this is a key into our battle. Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. We just finished talking about the mind. And since 
That's Satan's greatest area of attack. Let's see what the Bible has to say about Satan and your mind. Second Corinthians four four. To whom in whom the God of this world, Satan is the God of this world, Jesus even called him the Prince of this world. No, he's not sovereign like God is, but most of the people in this age, he is popularly elected, as it were, by them. That's what Dave Gusek calls it. Okay, so in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So he has blinded them from receiving the truth of the gospel. Where? In their minds. You know, the Bible talks about in Romans 1 that they are morons. They've given over their thinking to Satan. They have lost the ability to reason. That's the blindness that Satan has placed upon their minds. And we need to recognize when we are preaching to people, when we are telling them the good news about Jesus Christ, when we are praying for them, the number one starting point is we need to pray for their minds. Father God, I lift up uh, Mrs. Pelosi. I lift up Mr. Schumer, Father God. I lift up Mr. Biden, Father God. I rebuke that spirit of blindness from their minds in the name of Jesus, Father. I thank you, Father God, that your spirit, it's the anointing is breaking that yoke of bondage. I call them free. I call them seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Father God. That's how you pray for these people. That needs to be your heart. So I would encourage you as you're doing your own personal life, your own personal Bible reading, make sure that your mind is ready to go to fight for the lives of those who are lost. I'm Ron Guy. We'll see you next week in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.